someone has wronged you. At some point in your life, there's been somebody who has said or done something that's harmed you, it's harmed your spouse or your parents, perhaps it's even hurt your children or grandchildren, and you still think about it. You still get stressed about it, you still feel anxious about it, you still lose sleep over it, it still affects your life, even if it's something that happened a long time ago. Yet God has wisdom, God has power that he wants to unleash in our lives for healing. He wants us to be able to live lives where we're free of those burdens, where that pain is healed, where we're able to move forward and still have purpose and meaning without having a shadow constantly over us. And in his word, we get to see glimpses of broken, imperfect people like you and me with all sorts of messed up relationships experience that power in their lives. And it can give us hope for experiencing that power in our lives too. Just look at an example from the very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 50, beginning with verse 15, where we read, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, Your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgressions of your brothers and their sin, because they did evil to you. And now, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. We might hear that and think, well, is that too much to ask? Wouldn't it be wonderful if the person who wronged you came up and genuinely, humbly apologized, like Joseph's brothers did there? Not a, I'm sorry that you felt that way. Not a, well, I'm sorry, but here's what you did. Just genuinely saying they're sorry, asking for forgiveness for the wrong that they did. But to fully appreciate what's happening in this passage, it might be helpful to remind ourselves of some of the context. Because what's happening here in Genesis chapter 50 is the culmination of stories going all the way back to Genesis chapter 37. This story has been going on for quite some time, and it's a story you might remember from your days in Sunday school. If you ever heard of Joseph with the coat of many colors, a present given to him from his father, you just loved him so dearly, until his insanely jealous older brothers thought about killing him, but had cooler heads prevailed and just sold him to slave traders instead, telling their dad he'd been killed by a wild animal. That then led to Joseph being sold as a slave in an Egyptian officer's house, where he did great until his master's wife lied about him and he got thrown in prison, where he did great, but he spent years in there despite doing nothing wrong until finally the king of Egypt had these weird dreams 
that Joseph was given the opportunity to interpret, revealing that God was showing that Egypt and the world was about to enjoy seven years of abundance, followed by seven years of crippling famine, for which Joseph recommended that Pharaoh appoint someone to oversee it so that 20% of the abundance from the good years be held back for those more difficult years later on. Pharaoh, impressed by the wisdom God gave Joseph, picks him for the job. So he finds himself being the second most powerful man in Egypt. And when those famine years came, so did, ironically, his brothers, seeking food, not knowing that Joseph was the one overseeing it all. And after he played around with them a little bit, he reveals himself to them. And soon the whole family moves to Egypt. Oftentimes, when we get that Sunday school version of the story, though, all of those events are truncated. So we still imagine Joseph as being a young man. We imagine this apology, this apology as being in close proximity to all of the, the difficult things that had been through. But it might be helpful to revisit the timeline, because when Joseph was first sold by his own brothers to those slave traders back in Genesis chapter 37, he was 17 years old. When Joseph was finally brought out of prison to start working for Pharaoh, he was 30. That's 13 years that this young man spent as a slave, as a prisoner, because of the evil his older brothers did against him. Now, even if we factor in the seven years of plenty and a couple years for the famine to equate for Joseph and his brothers being reunited, we might picture Joseph as being in his late 30s, early 40s, when he meets his brothers again. And that's bad enough. It's been 20 years since they did this to him. Yet appreciate further that this moment in Genesis chapter 50, this moment where Joseph's brothers finally, for the first time, tell him, we're sorry, happened after the family had lived in Egypt for another 17 years. When Joseph's father, Israel, passed away, which prompted this exchange with his brothers, Joseph was likely 56 years old. His brothers were men in their 60s and 70s. And they were just now apologizing. Apologizing for evil that they had done 40 years earlier. Mistakes that they made while they were just kids that had completely upended Joseph's life, that had caused years of difficulty and trial. And now when Joseph was 56 years old, they finally came and said, they were sorry. Sometimes that's what it's like. Sometimes those apologies that we long for, that we would just weep if someone just came to us and said they were sorry, they're a very long time coming. But the reason that scripture records this is not so that we be just like Joseph, that we be just like his brothers, because they were broken and perfect people like all of us, but it is to show us the power of God and how it can change the life of messy people like you and me. Because while that apology was so painfully long in coming, a lifetime removed from the wrong that was done, through his focus on God, Joseph still lived a life of purpose and meaning. 
He lived a life of kindness and comfort and compassion. He lived a life that glorified God by doing good for others in spite of the truly evil things that he had been suffering. That's what the power of God, that's what the power of what God teaches us about forgiveness can accomplish in our lives when we let it. When we choose to put our focus on him and forgive the wrongs of others, not because they admit that it's wrong, not because it wasn't evil, but because we want to focus on God and live freely to do good. And then when those apologies come, even if they're a long time in coming, what a different situation we find ourselves in as people living for God. But it's also important for us to acknowledge here, not just Joseph as the one waiting so long for that apology, but as the brothers waiting so long to get it. Because as sure as I am that someone has hurt you, I'm equally sure you've hurt someone too. There have been things that you've said. There have been things that you've done. There's ways you have let down other people. And take from this story, it doesn't matter how long it's been. It doesn't matter what you were like back then or what your situation was back then. It is never too late to ask for forgiveness. A genuine apology rooted in your identity as someone that wants to serve the Lord can have great power, not because of who you are or who I am, not because of who Joseph is or his brothers were, but because of who God's is. And God wants to unleash that power in our lives. And as we start this new series of daily devotions together, that can be power that you and I experience more and more each day if we'll let God our Father teach us something about forgiveness.